Good morning, Calvary Worship Center. It's another Sunday morning. It's uh, another day where we're having to come to you through the miraculous technology of YouTube and the Internet and computers and cell phones and all that other stuff. But yet, it's still, regardless of any of that, regardless of the pandemic, regardless of COVID-19 and coronavirus, this is still the day that the Lord has made. So, since that's the case, why don't we just rejoice and be glad in it, right? Amen to that. I know I am, and I came in here earlier, and I turned around, and I just glanced at the musical instruments that are empty and silent, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, Self, there's a day coming soon that these are not going to be silent anymore, that they're going to be uh, uh manned by people who love and serve the Lord, who desire to operate in these positions with the love of the Lord and the desire to worship and serve Him. And so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. I've been in contact with a lot of people, and a lot of people have been in contact with us for various reasons. And I'm telling you, it's just wonderful to hear voices and to see faces. Even if it's at a distance, we get to see you all and... and, uh, speak with you sometimes and it's just wonderful thing hey there's been something that's been on my heart and been on my mind um for the past several weeks that um i really want to bring to you i have uh, not brought it to you yet just simply because it has not been on my mind when i'm here ministering the word and that is our local businesses uh especially if I can put it that way, those who are owned and operated by born-again Christians, members of the body of Christ, whether they're part of our church or not, if they're part of the body of Christ, we need to pray in harmony and in unity with them uh, that the Lord would, would help them through this time. If they can't remain open, that the Lord's provision be supernatural. If they are open and they are able to serve the public, that they get uh, people coming in in order to uh, buy their goods and services and so on and so forth. I know there's several people here in our body that have their own businesses, and I know that there are people throughout our community that love and serve the Lord that uh, have their own businesses. And I'm just asking everybody that when you pray, uh, pray for these businesses. We need to play, pray for the economy itself. Uh, both in our city, in our county, in the state, in the United States, and around the world. Because uh, if people who are far smarter than I am have anything right at all, they're saying that this is going to have an unalterable effect on the world economy, this pandemic will. And so we need to be in prayer for everything that we've been praying about. We need to add uh, our local businesses and our world economy. All right. So let's keep that all in prayer. Well, let's go ahead and get into the word. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you this morning, and that's kind of what we're going to be doing. I say that, and I'm I'm hoping that that's going to be the case. Uh, But in the past couple of weeks, I think I can say that safely. In the past couple of weeks, we've had a lot of people some people in our church and some people from outside of our church that we just know um, but don't attend here, contacting my wife, Melissa, contacting uh, myself, and uh, I think even Gary and Barbara, um, about 
these times in which we live and their relation to the end times, the rapture of the church, uh, the end of days, etc., etc., etc. And we've been uh, fielding some questions and what is our opinion. And I am very, very, very careful when I'm stating an opinion that I say, this is my opinion. This is not God's word. This is not the Bible. This is my opinion. And whenever I say I do or do not think this, that, or the other thing applies to the end times and the rapture of the church and all that, I say, and that can change because I don't know. There are certain things that God has dialed us into knowing. And then there are some things that God has kept a secret for divine reasons that he doesn't have to explain to us. When talking about the coronavirus and COVID-19 and is this the end of the world and talking about the Antichrist and the rapture of the church and those matters, there are certain things that the Lord has told us we can know. And then there are certain things that the Lord has said, you don't get to know this. With that said, I'm not able to delve into all that today. I'm just simply not. Um, I only have a few minutes with you, and um, I can't possibly address all of that. But I'm going to at least come to you from a position where we need to look at our lives and ourselves from a foundational, basic footprint, the lowest rung on the ladder, when looking at these times and these days, okay? Now, I am going to tell you, and I have told my church before, if you happen to be tuning in here and you're not from Calvary Worship Center, um, I have told my church before, the Lord never called me to call out other preachers that I don't agree with. Um, and so I'm not going to do that today. I'm simply not going to be calling people out and, and stuff like that. I will make vague references uh, to uh, uh, maybe an approach to preaching, but not what they've said and not who they are. So with that said, I want you to understand uh, no fingers being pointed. Uh, I don't do that. I am not an expert on the subject. I'm a pastor here in a small town in Corsicana, Texas. And we're going to move forward into God's Word. And what I'd like you to do right now is open up to the, to the letter of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to look at chapter 5. And going in here, we're just going to take some time and address uh, just some things that we've been seeing come down the pike uh, in our little circle of friends. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to read the 1st through the 11th verses. And I'm going to take my time from a kind of uh, uh, introductory exegetical point of reference, and we're going to look at the verses, okay? And again, I'm not going to address the Antichrist and the rapture of the church, and all. I'm not going to do that. We're coming in on the ground level in terms of how to look at these times um, from a Christian perspective. Introductory, okay? So, we're at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, again, I'm coming from the NIV. This morning, uh, for those of you who are note takers, I just want you to take this down. If you're going to take notes today and put uh, something across the top of the page, just write, Sons of the Light and Sons of the Day. 
Okay? That's what we're going to call today, Sons of the Light and Sons of the Day, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read through this, and then we're going to go back through it. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Now, let's take the first three verses. We're just going to take some time here. Let's take the first three verses. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. In other words, Paul is saying here, we don't need to get into this subject with you again because you know, you know that thieves come when nobody is expecting them. Now remember the context here. Now brothers, about times and dates. That's what we're talking about here. But thieves come when nobody is expecting them. So he's illustrating the idea that nobody knows about these questions regarding times and dates. He's illustrating it. Thieves don't get on their various social media feeds and announce that they're going to um, these particular addresses throughout the city and uh, uh, they're going to be in this section of town and that they're going to do all of this in broad daylight where everybody can see them. And then they, fi- then they fi- you know, finalize their social media feed by saying, so, see you all soon. That's not what thieves do. 
they show up in the dark, under cover of darkness, unannounced, when nobody is expecting them. When everybody's asleep, when everybody is inebriated, because if you look down here at verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So everybody, they're not expecting the thief. Everybody's asleep. Everybody is inebriated. Everybody's drunk with how secure they are in how they live in their cozy, secure homes and in their cozy, warm beds. And they're saying, peace and safety. Everything's cool. And once having entered the premises, uninhibited and unhindered, the thief takes what he deems is valuable and he leaves everything else behind. So when we're talking about times and dates, nobody knows when he's coming. Nobody knows when the end is here. Now, let me qualify that by saying this. I know that right now, there's a lot of stuff going on that looks like the end is near. A lot of stuff. Not the least of which is what I asked you to pray about just a matter of minutes ago. The economic status of the world. Not just our town. Not just our county or state. Not just the United States. But the economic status of the entire globe. You have to understand this pandemic isn't about America. This pandemic is about the world. And it's affecting global markets everywhere. And one of the things that is going to usher in the Antichrist, we need someone to fix all this nonsense. But guess what? For decades on end, we've had nonsense going on that nobody can fix. So nothing here yet is saying, yep, this is happening right around the corner. As a matter of fact, there's a real key piece of evidence in verse 3 here. Everybody who is outside of the light, they're, at, they're in the dark, is saying what? Peace and safety. Who, right now, everyone who doesn't know the Lord, who is saying, oh, everything's great, it's peace and safety, everything's cool? Nobody. Nobody is. And so, if I was to give my opinion, this is evidence that would suggest you don't need to be afraid based on COVID-19. But that's not what we're preaching about today. We're preaching about being people of the day and people of the light. So the reality is, is that when he comes, there's going to be some things going on. Number one, everybody's going to think everything's cool, and it's not. And that's when he is going to appear. And the Bible tells us right here in our text, it's going to come on so fast 
It's going to be like a woman who's walking along, shopping, going about her housework, uh, um, being at the office, doing her whatever she's doing. And you've seen it on TV and movies, and you've experienced possibly your very self, wham, labor hits like a freight train. And you've seen it in the movies when the woman goes, oh, you've seen it. That's what it's going to be like. And the Bible says here, and no one will escape that. So let's move forward. Verse 4, we're talking about, but you, brothers, now listen to this, brothers, we're talking about you now. The apostle was talking directly to these people in Thessalonica, but this applies to us. But you, brothers, are not in darkness. Like the people that it's going to hit like a freight train, the thief is going to visit, unaware and unexpected, those people? No, no, no. You're not those people. He says, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You're not wandering around in darkness thinking everything's fine. This, for the body of Christ, the day of the Lord when he shows up like a thief, that should not be a surprise to us at all. You, verse 5, are all sons of the light and sons of the day. What does that mean? It means we're the opposite of the people who get caught by the thief. We're walking around in daylight, in the light, able to see and perceive what's going on. Not questioning and being fearful, not confused and and stricken with anxiety, which incidentally... Some people in the body of Christ, that's how they're walking around. They're fearful. They're scared to death that something's going to happen. But listen to me. According to the scriptures, the Bible suggests, well, it doesn't suggest, it comes right out and screams it out loud, is that because we're in Christ, we are not in the dark. Rather, here we go again, we are sons of the light. And we are sons of the day. We do not belong, still in verse 5, to the night or to the darkness. How many of you try to navigate places in the dark? How many of you hurt things on your body when you do so? Gotcha, I'm with you. How many of you can navigate that same thing without even thinking about it when there's light? Well, guess what? We're talking about life and living. We are not children of the dark. We're children of the light and of the day. Verse 6. So then, we're, yeah, verse 4. Let me, let me just stop for a second and we're going to look at verse 4. What's the old saying? Remember verse 7 here, uh, those who are, get drunk, get drunk at night. What's the old saying about when someone is drunk and someone is responsible maybe for getting them home? <laughs> you need to sleep it off. So not only are these people, the people that are, get caught by the thief, not only are these people inebriated by their peace and safety worldview, but they're anesthetized as well in a stupor, needing to sleep it off, completely unaware that they've been visited in the night, that is, until morning comes, and by that time it's too late to do anything about it. But verse 4 tells us that we are not those people. We 
are not those people. Let's look at verse 5 through 7. Let me go ahead and read that. Um, you are all sons of the light, sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. So you have one group as asleep, one group that's alert. For verse 7, those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Let's look at this for a second. Spiritual light and spiritual darkness. Both exist in the world simultaneously. We all live in an environment in, in an environment with both ev- uh, uh, elements uh, present. You are children of the light. How many times have you walked into a situation or by a situation or seen something unfold that is a situation enveloped in darkness? We all have seen that. Light and dark. Both elements exist in the world. Through Jesus, the church, the body of Christ, represents and operates in the light, despite the presence of darkness. We do. We represent the light. We function as light. doesn't matter if there's darkness around. We are the light. Okay? Anyone that does not know Jesus exists in and operates in the dark despite the presence of the light because their world is darkness they don't have light inside through jesus christ we have light inside through jesus christ in the light we can see and function with ease but for those in the dark they can't see and therefore cannot function unless of course and i'm talking spiritually now Unless, of course, someone shines light in their darkness, which is right on back to the Great Commission. But here we need to recognize the fact that because we are sons of the light, we don't live in darkness. And those who are living in darkness, they sleep there. They get drunk on their sin, on their everything's fine philosophy, And they sleep in the midst of that darkness. They are asleep. They are not, like you, like me, awake and alert, having... Now, what is the word? Look at here in verse 6. Last word in verse 6 in the NIV is self-controlled. If you're self-controlled, you're not living in darkness and getting drunk on the things of darkness. In the Gospels, we, we, we know, and I've quoted this several times here, that the people living in darkness, they were sitting in darkness. People seated in darkness. That's because they're comfortable and unaware. The darkness makes them unaware, and the seated makes them completely comfortable. If you're sleeping in the dark, you're comfortable and you're unaware. That's why when His coming is, it's like a thief. All right, let's move forward quickly because I'm sure I'm taking way too much time. Let's look at verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. Putting on, now listen to what those words are. Because we belong to the day, put on. Put on faith and love as a breastplate. And the hope of salvation 
as a helmet. That's verse 8. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Last verse, verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build each uh, other up just as in fact you are doing. Now I find it interesting here. If you're in the dark and you're sleeping, you're not dressed like this description. Put on a breastplate and a helmet. That's not sleep attire, right? You're likely, if you're asleep in the dark, you're likely not dressed at all, except for whatever bed clothes you wear. So what he's asking us to wear here, a breastplate made up of faith and love, and a helmet made up of salvation, you can refer to Ephesians 6 here, of course, um, that's different than those people who are sleeping in the dark. These pieces that Paul describes in verse 8 represent preparedness. It's armor. In Ephesians 6, it's called the armor of God. Here, he's trying to make us understand that despite the fact that we don't know when he's coming, because his coming is like a thief in the night to those who are asleep in darkness... To us being children or sons, I believe is what the scripture says, of the day and sons of the light, we're walking around not asleep, but rather alert, recognizing that he could come at any time, not being fearful and not being taken by surprise. These things that he describes as the breastplate and the helmet... They represent being ready, being aware. If you're dressed like verse 8 describes, you're not in a bed sleeping. You are not in a bed sleeping. You're not in the dark. You're not drunk with delusion. You're alert. You're watchful. And you're prepared for his coming. And upon his arrival, you're ready for his arrival because you're there dressed as the child of God, living in light and in the day, at the same time that those who do not know the Lord are sleeping in darkness. Now, they may be walking around, but spiritually they're asleep in darkness, while simultaneously you are alert, self-controlled, and wearing garments that would suggest preparedness. You're not asleep. Instead of being completely unaware of his entrance into the world to take what he deemed as valuable, remember, the thief comes in, they don't know he's coming, he takes what he thinks is valuable and leaves what is not. Instead of being completely oblivious to his entrance into the world where he's going to take what he, he deems as valuable, the church, we should be ready, alert, 
children of the day, dressed in a helmet and breastplate of faith, love, and salvation, we should be ready to greet him with something more like this. Oh, Jesus, it's you. You're here. I didn't know exactly when you were coming. But I've been expecting you. That's our, pos- our, our uh, position. That's our perspective. Because the Bible described, this isn't preacher talk. This is Bible talk. Because the Bible has described us as sons of light and day, not asleep in the dark, but alert and self-controlled, that we have on a breastplate of faith and love and a helmet of salvation, when he arrives living in the day, we have our eyes wide open to what it is his plan is because we have that plan. We don't know when it will finalize because no one knows. But because we know the plan despite the fact that we're not aware of exactly the when, when he shows up, we're like, I've been expecting you, and I've been ready for you to come back. You know how we all talk about talk to each other about, man, I cannot wait. I am so ready to get back to church. I am so ready to hug next, blah, blah, blah. We do that, right? We should be walking around in our life prepared walking in the light, knowing full well what this says. And when he arrives, not be shocked. We've been expecting him because the light of God's word and the light of his salvation in us has, a, has a, made us aware. That's how we should be looking. Look at me now. That's how we should be looking at times and dates. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Why? Look at verse 2. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. I'm going to move on before I get off on a tangent. Now, I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in uh, 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 to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Here we go. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Remember, he's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. So this is a preacher, a young preacher. Listen to the first thing that comes out of his mouth with respect to the charge. Verse 2. Preach the word. It's the first thing that comes out of his mouth. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience. Listen to that. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience. Why? Because some folk are just going to need a lot of patience. Okay, not every Christian is a cookie cutter Christian and they're all of the same um, strength and the same mentality and the same ability. No, they're not. Not everyone is the same. So all these things need to be done with great patience and careful instruction. 
For the time will come when men, now listen, will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will not turn their ears away from... uh, They will turn, I'm sorry, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head, and he's talking to to, to Timothy again now. He directs this right at him. But you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. These are words, right here, those first five verses of 2 Timothy 4. These are words to a young minister, Timothy, obviously. But it's good advice for all Christians, especially at this point in time. What did Paul say to Timothy? Remember, I drew your attention to this in verse 2. He said, preach, but he made it specific, the word. Preach the word. There's a whole lot of people out in the world right now. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's a whole lot of people in the church who are preaching, and they might preach that much word and that much of something else. Timothy was challenged by Paul. The first thing out of Paul's mouth was preach the word. What did Jesus tell us to go and do with the Great Commission in in Matthew 28 and Mark 16? Preach the gospel, the good news. Not all this other stuff. Preach the word. Romans 10 and 14. Now listen to this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? What's the point? What's the point? Here's the point. I'm glad you asked. If you're going to listen to a preacher, if you're going to go to the trouble of calling somebody up on the Internet right now and listen to them, if when you go to church, if you're going to go to the trouble of, of, of getting up, getting showered, getting dressed, brushing your teeth, getting in the car, driving over to the church, sitting down for uh, all of worship and announcements and the preaching of the word in an altar call. If you're going to listen to a preacher, you make certain that he or she is preaching the word of the Lord, the whole word of the Lord, and nothing but the word of the Lord. Not theories, not hypotheses, not anything else, just the word of God. All these other things can change in a flash. This happens over here. Oh, that's changed now. Something's over here. Everything can change in a flash, and information becomes changing and fluid every single day, sometimes every hour of the day. But the Word of God is not that way. The Word of God is God-breathed, plenary verbal, which means plenary meaning full or complete, and verbal meaning word. It's a full and complete word. 
It was made flesh. It dwelt among us. It died, was buried, rose again on the third day in fulfillment of the scriptures. He says of himself, I am the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He says of himself, with me, with me, there is no variableness and no shadow of turning. He says of himself, I do not change. And if he doesn't change, neither does his word. I'm going to encourage you. If you're going to go on the computer and you're going to go on your phones, and you're going to go on TV, and you're going to listen to this myriad of talk concerning what the world layout is, what chapter in Revelation we're at, what point in the times and ages and when Jesus is coming back. If you are going to do that, do that with this advice. You do that by overshadowing it with this. Because I'm telling you, When these people decide that they're going to say, we're here, here, or here in the timeline, let me tell you something. With respect to days and times, they do not know. They don't know. Why? I'll get there in a second. You need to recognize this. 1 John 2. We're going to start in 24, and we're going to read through verse 27. If you're going to go about the the, the business of listening to people preach about God's Word, I'm going to tell you a little secret that you may not know. And this is a preacher's secret. And I I think the vast majority of the people that I run with, um, they know this little secret. But the reality is simple. If... Not if. Preaching God's word tends to lean toward the simple. Not simple people. Nothing like that. I'm talking about the simple answer. God is a measureless, expansive God that there is no knowledge of his depth, his height, his width, and you can't fathom him. But what he gave us to know, he did that on purpose. And you might as well not hypothesize or theorize because he told us. With respect to times, days, hours, all that stuff, nobody knows. We'll move on. First John chapter 2, verse 24. We're going to go through 27. Verse 24. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Make note of that. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Praise God. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. Now, jump down to verse 26. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Remember what I said when I opened up? I don't call people out. I don't name people and say, don't listen to them. I don't call out groups and say they're bad. I don't do that. I don't have time for it, and I haven't been called to do it. 
At this point in our text here, at this point, there were people trying to lead this group of people astray. Okay? They were. Now, are any of these people that are on the airwaves trying to lead folk astray? I have no point of reference on that. I have no idea. I can't say one way or another. If history proves itself, there are some out there who are trying to, yes. Whether they even know it or not. But I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. I don't know if people are trying to lead you astray. But that's not the point of this message today. Verse 27. As for you, I want you to listen how you're addressed in verse 27. This is powerful. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. Now, let's jump backwards. Look at verse 20 and 21. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. 21. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. As for you, back in verse 27, the anointing you received from him remains in you. You take that, you hear that, you receive that. And you do not need anyone to teach you. Now, before I comment about that, let's move, finish up verse 27. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. He says that we have an anointing from the Holy One, and we know the truth. But that there are people who are trying to mislead and lead astray. He says, you remember that anointing I talked to you about just a couple of minutes ago? That anointing remains in you. It's there. And over here in verse 20 and 21, you know the truth because of that anointing. And because of that anointing, you don't need anybody to teach you. What he's saying is... Be wise about who you're listening to. You have this and you have him. Be very wise. Because if you, like, like John was stuck off in Patmos, or like Paul shoved off in a jail cell, and there was no one there for you, you have the anointing to teach you. And you don't need anybody to teach you. And if you have teachers, like me, if you have teachers, you make certain that what they're teaching is light and day, the Word of God. Okay? Now, but as His anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, again, He's not just defending the anointing that's in the children of God. He's saying the counterfeit anointing, that is in those people that are trying to lead you astray. That's what he's saying to this group. That's counterfeit because there's no lie in the truth. You won't get a lie in the truth of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Just as he, just as he has taught you, remain 
in him. The problem here, and I'm about to close, the problem here is that many Christians that they face is, and it's surfacing right now, it's surfacing right now, is that they don't interact with his anointing. I think a lot of Christians don't even really realize that this is discussed in the Bible and it's talking about them. They don't interact with the anointing. They don't invite him. When they open the Bible and they have what so many call their quiet time, they don't invite him to teach them when they delve into his word. They end up reading his word. They end up reading his Bible, but not being enlightened by it and not being enlarged by it. Ultimately, people end up confused by the times and by the many voices who spend time, here again, this is going to sound critical, but I don't mean it to be, theorizing and hypothesizing about things, listen, about things that they do not know, that they cannot know, and that they were never meant to know. Remember Matthew 24 and verse 36. It starts out the first three words in the NIV. No one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Remember, this is a thief in the night scenario. Not knowing when he's coming is not the same as not being prepared. See, you and I, we're children of the day. We're children of the light. We, like everybody else, not the Son, not the angels, only the Father, like everybody else, we do not know when. But we know He's coming. And we can be prepared. Rest in that reality. Relax. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about Bill Gates. Don't worry about his health chip. Don't worry about these things. Be aware, but don't be afraid. Don't be apprehensive. Relax. Breathe. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You know the truth, and you are children of the light and children of the day. Walking about with a breastplate of faith and love and a helmet of salvation. That's you. That's your status. That's not something you need to grow into. That's your status. So rest. Rest in that. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you and we praise you. We glorify the name of the Lord. For that name is above every name. High and lifted up. Father, every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that name and that you are Lord. Father, I just pray that you minister right now. Father, in my feeble means trying to convey this message of rest, this message of peace, in a tumultuous, turbulent time, I pray, Lord God, that you would take the seed and help it to find good ground and produce much fruit. Father, if there is someone that is listening and they're afraid, Father, help your seed to 
find root in them and take the fear away. Father, if there's someone who doesn't even know who you are other than by name and by maybe some religious reputation, but nothing more, Father, I pray that you would touch their lives and that, Father, you would breathe the peace of God that passes all understanding into them. Let it keep their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord and draw them to yourself. Because, Father, we're all the same. It's just that some of us have been snatched out of the darkness and we've been had our feet set in the light. But, Lord, there was a day when we weren't in the light. And, Father, I just pray that you minister to those people who might not be in the light. And, Father, I just pray you, you touch them, you, you give them peace, and you draw them close to your side and give them your love. Father, I lift up the... The, the prayer request that I, I brought forward first. And Father, I lift up those who are in the body of Christ, who have businesses that are being, in, being threatened by the economy of this pandemic. And Lord, I just pray your hovering presence over them and your hand of provision on them. Give them also the peace of God as, they concern, as they're concerned with their, their own livelihoods and their business and the finances. Father, touch them. Breathe into their lives. And let their spirit be quickened to the knowledge that you are Lord of all. Father, I pray blessing over the body of Christ wherever they are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. One last thing. I want to say how proud I am of this body gathered in Corsicana, Texas at Calvary Worship Center for your giving. Guys, you are truly living the life. You have supported this ministry, and I am so proud of you. But if you still need to give, if you are uh, someone who wants to give tithe and offering to the, to the ministry at Calvary Worship Center, just know cwccorsicana.org is our website, and you can go to the giving tab there and give online. You can also mail it in uh, uh, by snail mail. And, of course, our Facebook is CWC Corsicana, and it will lead you to the links on YouTube at CWC Corsicana. We love you. We acknowledge you. We're praying for you. God bless. Take care.